We are definitely in that season of Advent, and as has been pointed out, that means many things to many people, and uh, lots of great liturgy that relates to our Advent season and the Christmas season, and we're going to get to more of that yet. Uh, Today, it will be a blending of where we've been coming from and where we're headed to and how we will blend together what it means to be waiting for... Jesus to come. And so we will talk about the mystery of this waiting period, and we'll talk about the triumph of the cross at the same time. And so we're, we're in that mode where we are thinking all of those things through together. Today, I want to uh, give you a message that is directed towards Advent and the coming of Jesus, but also about this process that we've been walking through and how the main thing that we're going to talk about together today is loving one another in this season. Last week, Pastor Tamil did a great job of uh, speaking to us about that vertical relationship that we have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. She talked about the concept of how Jesus gives us a new name, And he cleanses us and he calls us into relationship and into ministry and into service with him. And that was a helpful uh, depiction of the vertical relationship and renewing that vertical relationship continually. And that's part of Advent as well. But today we want to talk about the, more the horizontal relationship of renewal of our love for one another and working on that side of things and, and well, working on it and allowing God to work through us. So that's where we're headed today. I'm thankful for a week uh, where I was away in Calgary and got to experience the, the, uh, the home life that I have in Calgary. So I thank this congregation that I can live in both Calgary and live in Simcoe at the same time and make this all work together. So thank you for your graciousness with me. Uh, the message that I want to bring to you today is about loving one another in our relationships with him. And my microphone is falling off of my ear. There we go. We're back on. Um, so let's, we're going to take a look at um, John chapter 4, 1 John rather, chapter 4 in our Bible. So if you've got your Bible handy in, uh, in one form or another, you might want to pull that out and uh, electronic or paper or otherwise and uh, pull that out. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 7. But just before we kind of get there, let me also give you a little bit of an update on processes that we're going through in the congregation, but you'll see how it links back into what we're doing here together in the scriptures. Back in early October, you'll recall that we did a bit of a survey of our congregation and talked about how we're feeling about the congregation, what's going on in the congregation, what's really strong in the congregation right now, and what are some of the needs of the congregation right now. And our transition team uh, has done some work on analyzing that information that came out of those surveys. And uh, Kate Bishop-Williams did a great job of helping us to kind of analyze it carefully and know uh, what was in that survey. And our transition team listened and looked at it and kind of concluded that along with much great stuff we're doing together... There were some three areas that we thought we might want to work on together in the next little while. 
One of them was obviously some stuff about the healing process and working through what it means to be uh, back together again, what it means to be moving forward now that a beloved pastor has moved on to another call and that sort of thing. So there's a little bit of healing process that uh, a sub-team is going to work on in that area. And then secondly, there was a, a sense that we really need to kind of take a look at the vision once more, just make sure we're on track with where we want to be with vision together. And that's uh, another sub-team will work on that. And then one that uh, came out that we'll talk a little bit more about today is kind of congregational care and re-engaging with each other in the nature of being a congregation together. So congregational care, uh, re-engagement, that sort of thing came up in it. Now, when we say congregational care is a need in the congregation, I want to encourage you that it's, that it's not that we've been doing so poorly in that area. I would suggest that one who's been blessed to come in from outside and see what's going on in this congregation, there's some really good things going on here in terms of congregational care, and I've got to see it, uh, and it's been wonderful to watch. I've seen when somebody is sick and they have people showing up at their door with cards saying, hope you're getting well soon and I'm praying for you. And people who have just sent emails and said, hey, I'm praying for you or maybe sent the prayer that they prayed for a person. I've seen that side of things. I've even seen where you send a chocolate bar, to to mention the chocolate again here, uh, a chocolate bar attached to the card and say, here, have this when you're feeling better. (laughs) That's, That's a good sentiment, right? So there's lots of good things I've seen in terms of congregational care. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of those good things we're seeing in terms of congregational care. But what I think that also points to is that life is getting a little more complicated for all of us. Do I I get an amen on that one? (laughs) Isn't that right? Life is more complicated than it used to be. And we we struggle with more and more things and it's kind of like we need each other even more. And we've been through a time when we were kind of disconnected from each other and now we're saying, ah, let's get together. Let's, let's figure out how we care for each other, how we do this life together in the body of Christ. I think that's what's going on with us a little bit. And we know the importance of congregational care. We know of the need to be together in each other's lives. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture that really addresses this and really uh, talks about our love for one another. And uh, I referred to it already. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7. I'm going to read all the way to 21. It's kind of a lengthy passage to read here, but it's important for us to read scripture together. And and to be a body of Christ together, seeing the scripture, reading it in our minds. And so I'm going to read 4, 7 through 21, even though we'll mostly deal with 7 through 12 today in the sermon. But let's look at it together. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's the mystery we're celebrating in Advent, isn't it? That he sent his son into this world. 
This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We're also celebrating Easter here, aren't we? (laughs) That he came as an atoning sacrifice for us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Wow. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Wow, there's a lot of material in there. And I encourage you to, uh, sometime this week, pull that, that passage of Scripture out again. Take a look at the whole fourth chapter of 1 John there. Maybe meditate upon it, pray through it. There's a lot of material in there. And like I say, we're only going to look at about the first uh, five or six verses. But the, the way that passage starts is it says, dear friends, love one another. Or in some translations, it might say, brothers and sisters, love one another. And when I hear that, I cannot, I, I, it takes me back to when I was a young Bible college student And we used to pass around cassette tapes of great sermons we had heard. (laughs) Uh, That's how old I am. Cassette tapes, yeah. And we would pass around tapes that uh, were really inspiring messages that had been preached. And one of the ones that we passed around amongst my friends was by a guy by the name of Juan Carlos Ortiz. Now, Juan Carlos Ortiz was not somebody who preached in our neck of the woods, but he was a Central American man who actually went to California a lot and preached in churches there as well in the uh, Latino uh, communities, the uh, Spanish-speaking communities. And I loved listening to this sermon, and my friends and I, we passed it around until we just about wore out that tape, I think. And But when I hear... Brothers and sisters love one another. I hear his accent, and I won't try and imitate it for you because I would probably do a bad job, and it's not really appropriate to imitate somebody else's accent. But I hear that, and I remember one of those messages he preached. 
And in that sermon, he talked about going to a church where he wasn't the regular preacher, but he was asked to preach on this occasion. And he went to the congregation and he got into the pulpit back in the days when we had a big pulpit in front of you. And he got up in the pulpit and this was his passage of scripture that he was asked to deal with that day. And he said, brothers and sisters, love one another. And he went and sat down in the front pew. <laughs> and everybody kind of looked uneasily around the room and said, oh, what, what was that about? And, and so he had to get up into the pulpit again. And he said, brothers and sisters, love one another. Love one another. Love one another. And sat down again. And you can tell where this is going. It took a little while for people to catch on to what he was saying and doing. And they thought, isn't he going to preach any more than that? Or what's going on here? And pretty soon one of the guys turned to somebody in the seat beside him and said, is he meaning we should do something right now? Should we love each other right now? Should we give each other a hug? Or what's he talking about? What does he mean we're supposed to be doing? Do you have something going on in your life that I should help out with? Is there some way I could show love to you? Is there some way I could help you right now? And the guy said, I don't think so. I don't think I've got any needs. Um, I don't know. And pretty soon they looked around the room, though, and they saw somebody else that was kind of by themselves sitting over there. And they said, well, let's go talk to that guy. And they said, hey, do you have any needs? Is there something we can help you with? Is there some way we could show God's love to you? And, and the guy said, well, actually, yeah. I, I came here today to hear this great speaker. <laughs> and and I, I traveled quite a distance, and I don't actually have enough money to make it home, I don't think. And I certainly don't have enough money for lunch, and I'm kind of wondering what I'm going to do. And I said, well, how much do you need to, to solve this problem? He said, well, you know, X amount of money. And I said, well, I think we can take care of that. And the two of them reached their pockets and gave him a bit of money and took care of that need. And he said, thank you. And they prayed together for a few minutes. And, and then they looked around the room and they saw somebody else over there and they went and talked to them. And pretty soon this was happening around the room. People were talking to each other and saying, is there a need in your life? And some people were praying for others. Some were, were listening as people cried and told a story that was difficult in their lives. And the congregation began to show God's love to one another. They were loving each other. A uh, great story of a congregation learning to love each other. Maybe we should try it one, one Sunday, right? It would make us all uneasy, wouldn't it, right? But what Juan Carlos Ortiz was trying to get across is that loving one another is, is as important as that sermon, more important than that sermon. In fact, this passage seems to be saying it's the way we determine who's in and who's out, right? We, we make a lot of criteria on who's in and who's out. A lot of criteria on who's in the church, who's out of the church. Um, you know, the, um, the Calvinists have five points of theology that are really important, right? And the Armenians have another five points, counterpoints kind of thing, of theology that's really important. And those, you know, theology is important. I don't want to minimize that. Baptists have their theology. Reformed churches have their theology. Pentecostals have their theology. But sometimes those, that theology, as important as it is, can create 
circles and lines around which we draw and say, this person's in and this person's out. What's this seem to be saying here? How is it written here? Everyone who loves has been born of God. Everyone who does not love does not know God. Wow. Yeah. Kind of almost sounds like love is the most important thing. Uh, Wait a minute. I think Jesus said something about that. When Jesus was asked what was the most important command, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? And your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus did say that love was the most important thing. Theology is important. Uh, Yeah. But love is more important. Loving others is the most important theology. So who's in and who's out? Everyone who loves has been born of God. And everyone who does not love does not know God. That's who's in and who's out. And God sorts it out from there, right? But what does love look like? We, you know, we toss around that word love an awful lot. We've got some really crazy definitions of love in our world, don't we? Uh, and I won't even go into the depths of the, the different uh, ways that people consider love. But let's uh, think about this here. What is love in this context? Let's go on to verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He sent his one and only son into the world. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I think there we have it. Love is sacrifice. I I think you know that already. You know that love is sacrifice. We all know that. We know that the biblical definition of love is sacrifice. We also know in our own families and situations that love is sacrifice. It's not just warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, Any Anyone knows that who has ever helped their children in the middle of the night who are sick. It may be three o'clock in the morning and you're just tired and you need that sleep so badly. And one of your kids comes and tugs on you and says, Daddy, I'm feeling sick. (laughs) I saw somebody gag there. Yeah. Yeah, they might even throw up in your ear or something, right? Yeah, but you get up out of bed and you drag yourself out. You might be feeling sick yourself and you go and you solve that problem, whatever that child is going through. That is love. It is. It is love. It is sacrificing your sleep. It is sacrificing your health. It is sacrificing the things you'd rather be doing at that moment for your kid. Amen. Amen. And we know that many of us end up doing things like that for others in our lives. Maybe it's a parent that you are taking care of. One of your parents is sick and you're ending up caring for their needs. Maybe it is a neighbor even who has a significant need in their life or a friend that you need to go and help and hold their hand. Maybe it's just tears that are spilling 
But we, it may be that you need to be the one who's there with them, showing them sacrificial love when you've got 16 other things over here that you would rather be doing, need to be doing. That is examples of sacrificial love. Um, back in many years ago when our kids were teenagers, when our daughters were teenagers, we used to listen to a band called uh, DC Talk. Any, any DC Talk fans in the house? Uh, a few, a few, okay. So my wife and I loved their music as well. Uh, they were kind of the 80s and 90s kind of Christian rock band of the era, right? And uh, our daughters loved their music. We loved their music. We went to see one of their concerts at a big stadium. And they had some great lyrics and great songs. Um, they eventually stopped uh, touring and that sort of thing. But I kept on following each of the members of the band, and particularly Toby Mack, who is now a producer and singer and produces worship music, produces other music. And, and one of the songs that he wrote has really struck me recently. He, in about, I think it was about 2014, he spent some time looking after his father as his father was progressing towards death. His father had, I don't know what, what kind of disorder he had or what was going on in his life, that, but was head, he was headed towards death, and, and everyone knew this, and he had uh, significant dementia in the process. And so he was uh, helping his father as, he's, as his father's dementia is getting worse and worse, and he's getting more and more confused, and his capabilities were getting less and less, and he was dying. And through that process and after the process, Toby Mac wrote a song that he then went back and performed with his old buddies, and they kind of did a reunion of DC Talk. But I want us to hear some of the lyrics in this song where he says, it's called Love Feels Like. And he says, I am tired, I am drained, but the fight in me remains. I am weary, I am worn, like I've never been before. This is harder than I thought, harder than I thought it'd be, harder than I thought, taking every part of me, harder than I thought, so much harder than I thought it'd be, but empty never felt so full, empty Never felt so full. That's a good line. This is what love feels like. Poured out, used up, still giving, stretching me out to the end of my limits. This is what love, this is what real love feels like. Many of you know that feeling in your family, and and maybe some of you have are already experiencing being stretched to the ends of your limits by somebody you're caring for, helping them in life. This is what love feels like. This is what love looks like. This is what love is. But thirdly, love is an important, uh, it's, it's just so important that we get it right as a community. Um, verses 11 and 12 say, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So it's not just in our families that this matters. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
Did you catch the implication there? No one has seen God. But if we love one another, they will see God in us, right? It doesn't say no one has seen God, but if we preach a little louder, (laughs) they'll see him. It doesn't say uh, no one has seen God, but if we get a little bit more angry at our culture uh, and how bad the world is, they will see God. It doesn't say what else. uh, It doesn't say if no one has seen God, but if we had better worship services, (laughs) God God will be seen. No, it, it says if we love each other, they will see God through us. You know, that's, that's a, a tough one right now for me. I, I kind of ask that question of myself. Um, when people look at me, do they see someone who really loves others? Do they, do they look at us Christians and say, man, look how those people love each other? I hope they do. And I think there are times when we show that love. And I think there are times when we are really good examples of loving each other. And I pray that we are. And I think we are many times. But I think there's other times when the world looks at us and goes, oh, they're just as polarized as we are. <laughs> and we're, they're just as broken as we are. And yeah, we are. Yeah, We're pretty broken. We're pretty polarized sometimes. And yet, God's calling us to this, right? He's calling us to more. He's calling us to loving each other in a way that they will see God in us. And I, th- I think we can rise to that challenge. It's important that we care for one another as a whole community, that we care for each other. Uh, You know, I'm a baby boomer. Our baby boomer generation had a bit of a a skewed idea, or had a different idea, at least anyway, and maybe it worked then. We had a, a view of what pastoral congregational care looked like. We would hire a pastor who would then drop by our house for coffee and pray with us. And they would visit us when we were in the hospital and they would uh, take care of our needs and pray for us. And it kind of let the rest of the congregation off the hook on some of that, right? Um, But the world has changed quite a bit since then. People don't spend very long in the hospital anymore. (laughs) Hospital visits are really challenging for pastors to get in there quick enough to to see them in the hospital. A lot of people don't uh, really entertain in their home. It's kind of unusual for somebody to drop by for coffee unless you've made it quite a plan ahead of time. Uh, The size of our congregations means that a pastor would have to have quite a rigorous schedule of visiting with people to be able to get around to everybody in some kind of reasonable time frame. So I think, and I'm not sure God ever planned for just the pastor to care for all the people. I think we're called to care for each other. And the pastor needs to be part of that process. Don't get me wrong. So we'll hire a good pastor who can help out with some of that stuff, right? But we also care for each other. We have things in place in our congregation so we can care for each other, and we seek to do that. And I think that's what it looks like. I think it looks like many of the things we're actually already doing. I 
I heard recently, and I have to confirm this with some of the people involved, but I've heard that there's a group of men who are going to get together and uh, study something together in the new year. And I hear it kind of talk, it kind of sounds like vulnerability between these men, you know, like men being vulnerable with each other. Okay, wow, that's pretty cool. There's a, a study group that's going to talk about uh, how they can be better uh, Christians, better fathers, better husbands, and that sort of thing. Uh, That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like caring for one another, loving each other. I know that every Tuesday morning, there's a group of women that meet in this room, in this space, and study the Bible together, and then try and apply it in their lives. And, and, And sometimes it's in the messiness of life that they're talking about. How do we do this together? That's loving one another. I know that we have, uh, we do things like this where we have a family come forward and when they've had a new baby and we say, hey, how can we support you? And, you know, the interesting thing is it's not just when, that, when Tessa is two years old that we want to support that family, but when they're teenagers, right? And Tessa will never rebel Tessa will never test your limits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I've forgotten the, the, the boy's name now. I was so... Forrest, yeah. He's never going to test any limits or do anything that's going to be a problem in that family. <laughs> but if he ever does, if there's ever any limits being tested, let's support this family then, Right? <laughs> Let's cry with them when we need to cry with them. Let's dance with them when we need to dance with them. I wish I could moonwalk. I think, I think Forrest was moonwalking across here. I'm getting us into silly territory here now, but the reality is this is what love looks like, right? It's supporting each other. And, man, when our kids were young, uh, we had many friends in the church that supported us through the difficult times and the good times. That's what love looks like. I love the fact that our website has a page on there where you can go, and there it is on the screen, a little screen capture of care needs. You can go to our website and you can say, hey, I've got a need in my life and I'd like somebody to help take care of this. Our care team has developed this idea of, yeah, when somebody has a need, they can communicate it. And somebody will follow up with them. And so that's a wonderful thing that's going on in this church. There is some good things happening in our congregational care. We're going to work and help to make this even better and work together as a whole congregation to be better at caring for one another. I think it looks like praying for one another and sometimes sending them a note uh, with, here's what I prayed for you today. And, and I know this stuff isn't always easy. Um, You know, there are needs in this congregation. I've seen how this congregation has mobilized when there's been a death in a family and there was a need for meals to be sent to that family. And so I've seen it uh, worked out in that way. And people have cared for each other and stocked up people's freezers and and that sort of thing. Uh, These are the ways we care for one another. And that shows God's love to one another. And I I think those are wonderful ways that we are and will continue to do congregational care together. And the leadership is part of that process as well. 
Well, we've talked about how this passage talks about loving one another. And if we love, we know God. If we don't love, we show that we don't know God. Love is sacrificing to others. God is seen in us when we love one another. We have this uh, symbol of a cross up here at the front of our auditorium. Uh, Some of us wear crosses around our necks. And the cross is the symbol of our Christian faith. Now that cross is, as we well know, uh, a representation of torture and death, but it's also a representation of sacrificial love. And we look at that cross and we remind ourselves that that's what our Christian faith is about. It's sacrificial love. I've been there when, you know, an email comes to me and there's a need in a community and it's, it's so tempting to just delete that email without really even dealing with it. We all get there. All of us have so much going on in our lives. But it's such a great and blessing in my life and in someone else's life when I do take a few moments to maybe pray for that person when I discover that need. Maybe even reply with an email and say, hey, I I hear you're in a tough spot. Here's what's going on. Sometimes that's all it takes to encourage somebody. That prayer, sometimes it's helping them with more physical means. But this is what our sacrificial life together looks like. This is what our love looks like together. In the midst of the messiness of life, we can love one another And God is honored, and people see God in that process.